Did you miss the headline and the top story of the day? Extra, extra, read all about it. Don't worry, because we got you covered. This is how we do. It's the Cattles and Rami. Top spot. I believe I just had a conversation with Rami. He did not hear a single word I said in the last two minutes, two and a half minutes. That's a yes. He's got this this smirk on his face. Trying to think. I responded, didn't I? Nope. No? Hmm. Nope. Huh. He had them busy thumbs working that phone. Can never get through Rami during the breaks. He has the most important and crucial phone conversation. Not every texts. break. Not uh, not every break. Usually I'm just scrolling w- Twitter. Would you say the majority of the No, break? not even majority. Which, by the way, why are you scrolling Twitter on your phone when you have a computer? No, no, no. I'm usually on my computer scrolling Twitter. No. I don't know. I see you on your phone a lot. All right, anyway. What did you say? That's neither here nor there. Uh, I commented on the play-by-play announcer on the TV looking like he was 15. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear you say that. I saw that, too. He did look very strangely young. Looks younger than Nate. Yes, and I look young. You do look young. Yeah. You got a young face. And I looked it up. The guy's 30. I was like, really? He looks half that. But anyway, again, I doubt How young a man are you, Nate, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 26. I almost forgot. Yeah. Sound like you I was going to say, he just, it's second. not like he changed his age twice during the answer. It's like 24. I'm 34, 17. <laughs> what was worse, me doing the Folsom Lake Honda? Uh, no, oh, no, 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 that was worse. I'm going to try and make it up later. Don't worry. No, don't. No, I am. No, don't. Don't. I am. Don't. Okay. Again, I think we need I think we need a couple of days to kind of gather ourselves and reassess. I received that. I received that. Thank you. That was that was pretty brutal. Yeah, that's bad. That was pretty brutal. We love you, but that was brutal. Part of part of loving somebody is being honest with them, Simone, and that was brutal. Uh, all right, let's start with 49ers here. Because Rami, the 49ers, according to Bet MGM, is the heaviest favorite to win a division in the NFL this season. Do you agree or disagree with that? I I can't see. Well, I'm just a little confused, Nick, and here's why. What happened to all the Seahawks hype? Everywhere I turned, the Seahawks are a con- are a contender, one of the most improved rosters, yeah. maybe even a better roster. Who was it that was grading rosters last week and they had they had the Seahawks ahead of the 49ers? But that being said, one of the guys at ESPN. Yeah, I don't remember right? who it was. That being said, Mike Clay. I've 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 stuck to the the thought that the 49ers are the favorite to win this division. I can get down with that, but yeah. the heaviest favorite in all the NFL? More than Patrick Mahomes. More than Josh Allen. More that, than Jalen Hurts. See that that's that's where I get a little bit confused and start wondering, well, how? How do we how do we get to to that conclusion? I would still say you just brought up Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. To me, that that they're they're the clearest front runner for a division in the NFL. In my eyes. After that, and this is what dawned on me as I started pondering this question of, of the 49ers and whether or not they, they are or should be the heaviest favorite to win their division. It's always good to have a, a ponder. I started looking at the other divisions, and what dawned on me was this is less about the 49ers and how great they are compared to the rest of their division and more about the parity. Some might even say mediocrity across this league. And when you look at some of the other divisions and you just have a bunch of meh 
You know what I mean? Like with the NFC South, Tampa, Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, nobody jumps out to you. Just look at the NFC. How how many teams in the NFC scare you? Four at most. At most. And I think that's pushing it. The NFC is so you. That's if you buy the Seattle hype and want to include them in that that conversation that you're having, Nick. And that's if you believe in the Dallas Cowboys. It's like you look at the AFC, right? You got Buffalo. Even though I I think Buffalo's in danger of taking a step back. Agreed. But you got Buffalo. You obviously have Rodgers going to the Jets, and, and the Jets' defense was really good last year. You have Kansas City. You've got the Bengals. You've got the Ravens with some new weapons, and it sounds like they're finally headed in the right direction with mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson and letting him throw the football a little bit more and have, you know just doing different things instead of doing the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, you've got just a bunch of teams in the AFC. Even teams like the Dolphins, who could be seen as somewhat dangerous, right? Yeah. Like, you have a number of teams in the AFC or that you could argue. Eight and one last year in games two has started or something yeah, like Jacksonville that. Jacksonville is seen as a team that's on the rise, but Doug Peterson had a good season a year ago compared to the awful season in the prior year with Urban Meyer. Seems like that was 500 years ago at this point. But, yeah, I mean, when you look at the NFC, like, I don't think there's much – of a beef that the Niners have a really good chance to win that division. In the NFC, though, I, I actually would lean towards the Eagles more than I lean towards the, the Niners to win their division. I'm just – and I know we, we've talked about Dallas now forever. Oh, they're, this is the year. This is the year. See, for me, it's close because in, in that case, you're talking about – Eagles are loaded. In that ca- Yeah, in that case, you're, you're talking about the comparison between the Cowboys and the Seahawks in terms of the team that could give – the Eagles and the 49ers problems respectively in winning their division. And I think it's probably close when you look at those two rosters and compare, but give me Dak Prescott. You, you know what I mean? O- over. Oh God, I'm drawing a, I'm drawing a complete blank on his name. Now, how am I doing this to the guy who I forgot was even in the league? This, oh my God. Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God. What just happened to my brain? But yeah, give me Dak Prescott over Gino Smith, obviously. Cause I just forgot his name but that 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 would be the tiebreaker for me in talking about who's gonna give the favorite in their division more of a run for their money I believe in Dallas a little bit more than I believe in Seattle but I don't believe in either of those teams all that much Nick I'm with you and this will change I promise you this will change because we weren't talking about Philadelphia in this light a year ago today somebody will emerge in the NFC over the course of the year where we go, oh. I was just going to ask you that. Okay, that just, could be a team. I just wanted to look at that. I wanted to ask you, like, if, if we're looking at the at the NFC right now, because we talked about teams that could be in the upper echelon, right? The teams that should be favored. Teams that like could, could make the step. Like, I know a lot of people are talking about Detroit. I'm not so sure, right? What about Green pro- Bay with Jordan Love? I was just going to say that a lot of that see. hinges on what Jordan Love Yeah, let me see yeah. what Jordan Love what Jordan looks Love like. Is. Yeah. I mean, there's nobody in the NFC South that I believe in. That division is a crapshoot. You know who it might be is the Giants, man. I feel like they're going to take a step back this year. I could see that. But if you're asking me to pick one team that could jump up and surprise and make noise where nobody expected it, I like Dayball. If they can bring back Saquon Barkley, they added Darren Waller to the mix. How about Chris Watkins, Minnesota Vikings? Mm. They won 13 games last year. They just lost Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Yeah, but that was by choice. Yeah, Yeah. pretty unproductive. I just don't believe in the Vikings. 
very much. Something about them. Dania Hunter could oh, be. I think I know why you don't like. I think Rami. it's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay. I think it's Kirk Cousins. All Brock right. Purdy or Daniel Jones? Nick? Why? What did you think it was, Simone? Your bias. Oh no, I got no. No, I hate the Packers. I have no real hard feelings. I think I'd lean right. towards Purdy because at least I know what Daniel Jones is. Okay, gotcha. People were going bananas over Daniel Jones last year. Like I, he, he, like he fifteen he, touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah, that's yeah. no. Like Brian Dable took care of him, babysat him to make sure he didn't throw up on himself. But that's what I really like about Brian Dable. That's what I liked about him in Buffalo. Is he will he burped him, Rami? He will call an offense to what he has. Yeah. Rather than trying to pound a square peg through a round oh, hole. Oh, Dayball's excellent. Love Dayball. Dayball's. I, I just, again, Daniel Jones. Eh. I wanted my Bears to hire Dayball, but they went with Matt Eberflus. Better last name. You don't sound thrilled. I think that's a bad head coach name, actually. I was, well, you I was, might want to watch out for those New England Patriots, Rami. Watch out. You think so? I, I told you it. earlier, DeAndre Hopkins. You feeling good about your boys? Oh, yeah. You got the DeAndre Hopkins. Uh... Eight or nine wins right now. If they add Hopkins, maybe they can get to ten, maybe even eleven. I do. I do think their defense could be really good. If they get eleven, though, Buffalo might not make the playoffs. I think, that- I think their defense could be like really good, very versatile. They got a bunch of guys they're going to throw in different spots, and I think they're going to be pretty exotic this year on that end. So I think they had a pretty good draft too, but we'll see. Right now, nine wins. They're ceiling. I think Vegas has them like seven and a half. I take the over. Last year, betting that team, not in reality, of course. I was giving uh, lines out during the podcast I do, and uh, I went 15 and two last year. Oh, against the spread. Look at you. Take that. Big time. So anyway, yeah, the NFC just cash not, in with Nick. The NFC not not deep, man. I mean, the AFC West, Sean Payton with the Broncos, do they get a lift? The Chargers, the Chiefs. Uh, again, Jacksonville, I think, could end up being a 10-11 win team this year. Baltimore, Cincinnati. Deshaun Watson, does he knock off the rust? Does he make Cleveland better this year? People forget how good that dude was, man. And the AFC East is going to be. Still very young. Oof. I don't like to say it, but Deshaun Watson could be a problem for the NFL. Yeah. Well, he was a problem for the NFL. In a different in, way. In many ways. Yeah, on the field, though. Yeah. He was. Then off the field, he was a, is, yeah. is a problem. A danger. Yes. yes. And now he might be a danger on the field. Okay. Yes. Hopefully no that's, longer off the field. That's what I meant. Yeah, we can all hope. They got a new logo, though, the Browns. So Yeah. They're going to change Dude, love it. everything. I love, love that it. logo. I do, too. I, Feels a little college, but I do like it. Top I'm, notch to I'm me. a big fan of that logo. Top notch. Uh, do the NBA Finals officially end tonight? Our predictions in 90 seconds. Live and local in the afternoon. They always keep you on edge. Cattles and Ronnie on Sackdown Sports. I don't know what this is, but it's something. What happened? What'd you do? Uh, the song. Oh. Whatever's going on here. Oh. What is Mac this? Mac DeMarco. Mac DeMarco. Yeah, he's like a... I don't even know what kind of music this, this is, but... Canadian singer-songwriter. Yeah. He's cool. Okay. Folk rock? I get. Yeah, I guess. Indie folk rock? Is it's, it Matt or Mac? Mac, M-A-C. Mac. Ah, okay. It's Mac Briere. Mac. There That's a Canadian name. Mac oh. Briere. Mac Briere wait, DeMarco. Wait. Uh... 
He is 33 years old. In some of these pictures, he looks like he's 53 years old. So. Yeah. Seems like a chill dude, though. I think you have to be when you play this music, don't you? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I can't imagine somebody all fiery playing this. <laughs> you never know. I don't know if Max. Uh, I don't know if Mac Breer's busting any guitars. And plus, the Canadian people—they're a kind, chill in general. Yeah, yes. they're a very kind, chill folk. Yeah. So, like, I would not be surprised if you told me like this was a Canadian playing this. Like, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Are there words? Uh, yeah, but this is an instrumental. Okay. Yeah. Who needs words when I you like have this? This is my favorite song by him, actually. Kind of digging it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Favorite Canadian, Norm Macdonald. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Yours or Mac DeMarco? Mine, but okay. if you guys have yours, too. Norm McDonald. Norm. God rest. Oh, yeah. Love Norm. Manny so Too Legit good. says Mac DeMarco is cool. He is cool. All right. Vince says no UFO talk. Uh, Vince, don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, I think I have you covered tomorrow. There's something I just spotted. Well, Vince is trolling us. Oh. Not a big fan of the UFO talk. <laughs> Do we, we have might, developments? Uh, we we got something going on. So. Huh. That, that might make a return tomorrow. Hmm. That might make its return tomorrow. We'll see. All right, Rami, game five tonight. They're about to tip off, and I don't know. It's on ESPN. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever they decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, looking back at... Game four, huge stretch, huge stretch for the Nuggets without Nikola Jokic. Jokic got into foul trouble. He had five fouls. They had to play like eight or nine minutes without him in the fourth quarter. And, uh, man, they they shot tremendously uh, from the floor. And it's been a – I don't have the numbers on me, but I saw a tweet. Denver without Jokic, when Jokic is, is sitting, Denver's shooting percentages have been, like, outrageous, like outlier. Jokic out, they're shooting just – crazy from three. And that's part of the reason why they've been able to, you know, be up three games to one in this series with, with Jokic sitting at times, and he hasn't sat a, sat a lot. But when he's sitting, they can find that offense. And that's what we're seeing, right? We're seeing a team that just they have a lot of options. Yeah, if you thought this was a one-man show, they, they're, they're proving to you it's not. I mean, you go back to uh, game three with Christian Brown and what he did. We, he was a one-man run in the fourth quarter, much like Duncan Robinson was for Miami in the second game. Yep. But Christian Brown was, you know, he had that great stretch in in game three. Then you had Bruce Brown have an out-of-body experience in game four. Love Bruce Brown. And they won that game, Rami. They won that game. Let's also add Aaron Gordon, who... Yeah, he had a huge night. 27-7-6. Huge is right. They won that game on Friday night with Jokic having to sit for the majority of the fourth quarter and Jamal Murray shooting 5 of 17 from the floor, finishing with 15 points, which is also known as the Cattle's Jinx because I believe I said Murray was going to go for – no, that was before. It was was, uh, Jimmy Butler I said would go for 35. Ah, yes, and I said 35 and they'd win. Which I I jinxed Jimmy. Great at the jinxes. But – uh. Yeah, man, they just they, they have an assortment of weapons that can just attack at any moment. And game five is tonight. Here was uh, Jimmy Butler after going down 3-1 on Friday. No doubt. Um, we don't have any of that. We don't have no quit. We're going to continually fight starting tomorrow to get better. And then we're going to go on a Monday and, and do what we said we were going to do this entire time and win. We have to. Um, we have no other choice. Otherwise, we did all this for no reason. So the guys know, we know. Um, 
we got something to do. We really do believe in one another, um, in ourselves as individuals. So we've done some hard things all year long um, in this playoff run as well. And now it's like the hardest of the hard. But like we always say, you know, the things that you want is on the other side of hard is I don't know what. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, that's our reality. So we got to go out and win three straight. Tyler Hero is back tonight. Is it over tonight? Yeah, it's over. It ain't happening. They did it all for nothing. He said if, if they don't win tonight, they've done it all for nothing. Sorry to break it to you, Jimmy. But you've done it all for nothing. And, Nick, I don't know if we can – if we are patting the Nuggets on the back for their great defense in this series or if we're just chalking this up to a regression to the mean, a leveling of the waters, so to speak. Because you've talked about how historic and not not using that loosely or hyperbolically. No historic Miami shooting has been or was heading into into the finals and through the Eastern Conference finals. You realize in this series, Nick, they're averaging 94 points per game on 41.7% shooting. 40, 94, that, that's a 90s line right there. That's a, that's a 90s offense. That's, that's what this team was, by the way. For the most part of the regular season, they were not a good offense. And that's why I say, I don't know if this is just, you know, the the, the pixie dust wearing off or, the, you know, the, 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 the chariot turning into a pumpkin when you talk about the Miami Heat here in the finals, but they just have not had the firepower to, to keep up with this Nuggets team. And you got to give the Nuggets some credit for the defense that they're playing on Miami, but you also just have to look at this and and know that it was possible that this was coming, Nick. You, you know what I mean? When a team is shooting as out of their minds as this Heat team was shooting for the first three series heading into the finals, you you almost know that somewhere somewhere in the future, unless unless they could ride it straight through the finals, but it was a strong possibility that somewhere in the future a cooling off was coming for this Miami Heat team, and and I think. I think that's what we're seeing here in these finals, and maybe they have one gasp left in them tonight. They are a very competitive team. They got a lot of fight. We hear about heat culture and all that, and Jimmy Butler is a dog. But, man, this series is a wrap when when you're talking about he's talking about winning three straight. That ain't going to happen. That's simply not going to happen. Give me two straight. Take it to seven. That would be great for entertainment purposes. Yeah. But they're just not beating the Nuggets three straight uh, times. It's very tough to continue to shoot the way that their role players were shooting. You know, Caleb Martin was crazy good. Uh, Gabe Vincent was crazy good. It's it's difficult, man. It's really difficult. And, you know, I just look at this Miami team, and it it was it was a, a great run to the finals. But when you look at this now from thirty thousand feet, and I tweeted this on Friday, the Miami Heat have lost six out of their last eight playoff games. They're two and six over the last eight games. They almost collapsed against the Celtics and came up with a, a big game seven on the road. But aside from game seven and game two of this final, they're two and six. And they haven't played great basketball, frankly. Uh, they try to muck it up at all of that. So, yeah, look, if the Nuggets play, if they play their best, then I've said this from the beginning of the series, the Heat are in big time trouble. I think we're at the point now where the Nuggets have to play well below their best, and Miami has to play much better than they've been playing for them to win. Now, it's possible. I'm not going to write off Miami from winning a game here or a game or two, 
but it does have the feel that this thing is over. And Miami is trying for one last shot by throwing Tyler Hero out there. When, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, they're, they're not even sure he's going to be able to, to play and, and be anywhere near who he was before that injury. They're in desperation mode. They're throwing it up against the wall. Yeah. And they could, again, they could win. They could win a game or two. I think the series is over. They could win a game or two. I, I don't write them off because they're so tough. But it's going to be a massive climb up towards the mountain. I mean, the Nuggets are too deep. They're too talented. They're too big. They seemingly have an answer for everything Miami throws at them. And tonight, they're obviously motivated to win this at home. They don't want to go back to Miami. They want to be celebrating tonight at home in front of their crowd. Give me a good game. So many double-digit blowouts. Yeah. Give me a good game, please. Thank you. Yeah, it could have been much better so far. Maybe we'll get something tonight. I would expect Miami to scratch and claw. All right, we'll talk uh, NBA with Brian Mahoney from the AP and the callback next. I'm going to light up these phone lines. The phone is ringing. And we are checking to see who's on the line. Long time listener, first time caller. News, gossip, a story. Okay, who's the next victim? It's the callback. On Cattles and Rami. I would just like to point out that, again, Rami, on his phone as we come back from break. I heard what you were saying that time. I even laughed at what you were saying. As he pushed back on me last segment. I don't look at my phone too much. I said not every break. It's not every break. What would you give a percentage? Are we we above 80? I would say 60. I would say 60%. Me in the middle, 70. I'd lean higher. All right. uh, Earlier on the show. I don't know. We were joined by the illustrious Brian Mahoney. Writes about the NBA for the Associated Press. We had lots of basketball to talk about with Brian. First and foremost, we asked about the Clippers. You know, we got the CBA coming up, all these changes within the next year. Uh, Kawhi and and PG-13 being uh, extension eligible. What does Brian think is going to happen in L.A. with the Clippers? That's a good question. That's another team I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on because you know, you say, okay, we need one more guy and we're, and we're going to win this thing. I mean, we, this is a team who a lot of us thought going into the season was, was maybe the best team in the West. At the same time, you say, for the money I have to extend these guys now, they're never healthy. They hadn't played long enough. Uh, so do I, can, can I really do this? Obviously, Steve Ballmer can afford to do whatever he wants. But, um, you know, at some point, uh, you have to say maybe this just isn't the time for this anymore. So I'm fascinated which way they're going to go. Uh, I would hate to break it up before they really had a real shot at it. But, again, it's not like they've had one year. They've had three, four years, and it hasn't happened yet. You have to wonder if it ever will. It is going to be uh, a very compelling storyline, what the Clippers do. Uh, how do you how do you possibly have any confidence in Kawhi Leonard going forward? Like, I don't know how many people had confidence in him before this season. And then he sits out a bunch of games this year. They do as much load management as they pretty much can get away with with Kawhi, and dude couldn't get through the playoffs. Like he certainly seems like he's toast. He might be a great story and he comes back, but at this point, I don't know how anybody, even Kawhi himself, could be confident that he's going to play 65, 70 games and then give you a full postseason. But these are this is the crossroads that Steve Ballmer and the Clippers are at, Nick. Which yep. is you either put your eggs in that basket 
or you try and and find a way to put the puzzle together without Kawhi Leonard in the next year or so, or you're going into a brand new state-of-the-art, very expensive arena that Steve Ballmer is building with not a great product on the floor. You know know what I mean? So I think you maybe bank on that hope of Kawhi and this core of guys to open the new building, and then if it doesn't work, you can move on from it. But do you really want to go into the new building with a rebuilding, no pun intended, franchise out on the floor? You know what I mean? I mean, also I would ask this. Like, how much? Let's say. He wants to have more to brag about than the toilets in that new arena. You know what I mean? Let's say. Let's say. I heard Howard Stern play that cut the other day, by the way. Really? Yeah. Um, let's, Let's just say that Kawhi is put on the block. Right, the Clippers make the decision. We can't, we can't survive with both these guys making the max. The CBA is going to get much tougher on us. If we're going to move them, we're going to move them now. What would Kawhi even fetch on the trade market? What, what would it, what would a team be willing to give up for Kawhi Leonard at this point? Um, I mean, again, I, when he played, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you could ask for much. He's what, a great player, but I don't know how you could ask for much given. The reliability factor. When he played in in the postseason, he was he was pretty damn good. But what can you possibly deem justifiable to to trade for you know somebody who has played fifty two games the last two years? The year before that, he played fifty seven. The year before that, the, the year that they won the title in Toronto, he only played 60. The year before that, he had the quad injury. He, he played nine. And this is a guy that he can't play 55 games. And playing 52 games in the regular season, again, he gets hurt. Couldn't finish the series against the Suns. I just, I, I don't think he has much value at this point. No, he doesn't. Was he 34, 35? How old is Kawhi? 34, I want to say. I got to look this up. Look it up. I guess we could send Rashawn Holmes for him. Ooh, Kawhi's only 31. Feels older than that. He'll be 32 in a few weeks. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Still don't. Still can't put a lot of eggs in that basket. But I think think Paul George might bring back more than, than Kawhi does at this point. But we'll see. All right, uh, then Rami asked Brian Mahoney on the Folsom Lake Honda Hotline about the Kings, the upcoming free agency, and uh, what he thinks this team could be missing. You know, I don't think there's much missing. I really like that team. I mean, playoff experience was probably the thing that, you know, hurt them the most. Uh, you know, this was their first time doing it, but obviously an elite point guard. You have a great center. Uh you know, some good wings. I don't know if there's a lot missing. I mean, maybe another big body inside. Uh, you know, that I think every team kind of would like that. Uh, you know, a, a stretch four who's, you know, some bring some power. But uh, there's not a lot that I look at and say, you know, I only saw them a few times in person. But every time, I'm like, this is a really, really good team. And I don't think there's a ton that, uh, you know, any kind of huge moves they have to make. I think most of us would agree with that. It depends on your definition of a huge move. Moving on from HB and hopefully upgrading Upgrade. could be a huge move. Upgrading a starting a starting position is, I think, a huge move. And I, I'm we've been we've been on the same page when it comes to that, Nick. That we'd like to see him upgrade on Harrison Barnes. Yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world if they don't and if they bring Harrison Barnes back. What you can do is take a step back with that spot on the roster and, and in the starting lineup. But 
you'd I, I would really, really like to upgrade on Harrison Barnes. And I would consider, I mean, depending on who it is, I would consider that a pretty big or maybe even a huge move to, to replace one of your starters and upgrade at one of your starters after you already were the three seed in the Western Conference. You can't stay status quo. And uh, Monty knows that. And they're not going to stay status quo. Uh, Sasha Vizankov is still on the radar. He uh, played, by the way, yesterday. He did end up playing yesterday. He played like 20 minutes. So that knee injury, not a big deal at all at the end of the day. And uh, you could you could imagine Vizankov being here. You could imagine possibly bringing back Trey Lyles. Uh, and, and, you know, do you... Do you have both those guys on the bench? Probably. If you're going to do that, you might not even bring back Lyles. You might just have a Zankoff. But there, there's 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 additions they can make on the wing. They could also entertain the idea of trading Kevin Herter, I guess. Uh, I don't think they will, but it's not like he's untouchable. If you could get somebody who's you know, better than Herter, the problem that they're going to face, though, is that they, they can't trade their picks. We've talked about that. Because of the Kevin Herter trade. So they're pretty much locked in. They can't add a first-round pick to Herter to get something, you know, that much better than Herter. Significantly better than Herter. Now, they're locked in at four of the five starting positions, I think. It would would be surprising to me if if more than than one starting spot was was changed this offseason. But I'd sure like to see an upgrade on on Harrison Barnes. I'm good with Kevin Herter. Some people might talk about sign and trades and all that stuff. And maybe you have a sign and trade that you can find, but I don't know I don't know what you're gonna get back for Harrison. The easiest thing to, to do is probably just let him walk. You know, renounce his free agency rights mm-hmm. and just let him walk. Take that money and, and use it in free agency. Or take that money and make a trade and, and take more money back because you can. That's that's probably the the most likely path here, and I, I do wonder what, when will we hear about HB? All right, we got free agency two weeks. It's two weeks from uh, this Friday, June thirtieth. Already? Yeah, June thirtieth wow. is uh, free agency day. All right. And you wonder uh, what is going to happen leading up to that day. You know, will, will we start to hear things about HB? Will we start to hear that he could be out of town or Monty's bringing him back? Would they like to get that deal done before free agency officially begins so Monty knows exactly how much money he's got to spend? Does HB want to look around? I think his decision is made much tougher, obviously, with, with the Kings being the three seed last year. It's it's no longer, oh, yeah, I want to go to a winner. I want to go to a contender. I want to. There might not be as many teams out there that are seen as better as Sacramento that would be interested in HB for, you know, how much money. That's the other question. How much money is he going to be asking for? That'd be great if you could bring the HB back, but off the bench. You upgraded his starting position, and you can bring him back off the bench. If you could get HB for, like, I don't know. Bench, I'm not going much more than, like, $11 million, $12 million. No, I was going to say 9 or 10 He's going to ask for more okay. than that. I think. Well, let's see if the market's there. Let's, it usually is. Let's see, Rami. It usually you know is. Let's see. Let's see, let's see what that let's, market says. Let's watch and see. Damn it. Let's look Just at the market. wait and see, Nick. All right. Stop all the speculation. Yeah. It's the speculation season. We'll wrap things up next. That's a good question. With you.
one mile at a time during the afternoon drive. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. All right, before we get to uh, this reverse boycott, the A's in the Nevada State Legislature was supposed to continue their dance today. Rami, do we have any word? Do we have any updates? Um, Nothing really of substance that I've seen come out today, but uh, Bill Shaken, who uh, he, he works for the Los Angeles Times, he's been covering this thing. Not stirred. Um, and the question of, well played, the question of, you know, if this thing is funded, if they get this, this stadium that they're trying to build, will they put a competitive product on the field? And the A's consultant testified that the team expects to be league average in attendance in Vegas. In theory, Nevada legislators could demand A's be league average in payroll each year or face financial penalty, but the A's wouldn't accept that. And they say MLB almost certainly wouldn't uh, let them have that clause or loophole in the contract. So league then, average. Because then there would be, you know, accountability. That's why they're banking so much on this uh, tourism stuff. They think they're going to be league average attendance. 27000 per game is what they're promising. Well, that's with tourism, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Jeez. 27,000 in attendance. Why would per you game. ever want to why would you ever want to move to a place that you don't feel confident in the idea of like just selling out right off the jump because if you have fans of your team and not because you have tourists right. coming in. And if you're a player because that market is so excited that they're going to pack the stadium with 35, 40,000 people on a nightly basis. It's like no, listen. With the help of tourism, we might be able to get to league average attendance numbers. That's the goal. League average. Yeah, that's the yeah, goal. That's their that's their goal. Insane. I don't understand it. It's it's insane. None of this makes sense. That's it's a money deal, man. Fisher wants to build the stadium, sell the team for a few billion and get out of there. It's brutal. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. Brutal. Uh meanwhile, let's talk about this reverse boycott. If you're wondering what the hell that is. This is from our friend Melissa Lockard, who we had on the show recently to talk about this mess. And she writes in The Athletic today uh, that tomorrow MLB owners will convene for the owners' meetings where presumably the A's relocation efforts will be a big topic of discussion. And that night, A's fans will make their voices heard with a reverse boycott at the Oakland Coliseum designed to send one simple message. We're still here. Not surprisingly, many A's fans have been protesting the direction of the team with their wallets. Attendance numbers have dwindled, and photos of the nearly empty Coliseum have gone viral. My favorite moment was when the young man just ran onto the field and ran the bases. And nobody did anything. Nobody did a thing. They're like, is that the shortstop? Certainly not the security guard at the Canadian golf tournament. I was just going to make that connection. (laughs) You heard me gasp. I love you, Nick. Go off. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, not surprisingly... A's fans are like, whatever. Uh, Fed up with John Fisher's stewardship of the franchise, if you want to call it that. Lifelong A's fan Jeremy Goodrich launched a Twitter account at Oakland Rooted with the sole focus of trying to get Fisher to sell the team. Uh, Goodrich even created a change.org petition at the start of the season. 
Lifelong A's fan Stu Clary signed the petition and tweeted an idea. What if fans stage a reverse boycott, Rami, to fill the Coliseum on a random weeknight to show the baseball world that the supposed lack of fan support in Oakland is not accurate? So take that. We got fans. I mean, it's a great it's a great message to to send to the baseball world. You know what I mean? And they're they're asking all the baseball world to rally behind them with this. They've been sending letters to other, you know, fan clubs and and tweets to other fan bases and and asking the whole baseball world to kind of step up and show up for the A's and for Oakland and to help them keep that team there. But if nothing else, Nick, it's it is a message to the rest of the baseball world. I don't know how how effective it is in terms of actually changing something, but that yeah, A's fans are not the problem. Like they they will show up. I saw a tweet today. I was just looking for it as we speak and I, I haven't found it yet but I think it said that they set the attendance the a wild card attendance record as recently as 2020 A's fans did when when you put a, a, a competitive product on the field it really is that's more than anything in this whole thing Nick is the pointing the finger at the fans yeah aspect of it that really is shameful what what bothers me and rubs me the wrong way the most about all this. It is embarrassing. So the idea took off on social media just as A's ownership made its announcement on April 19th that it intended to build a stadium in Las Vegas. That was when the idea went from being a potential statement to a potential last stand. A group got together to start planning the reverse boycott and landed on June 13th, which again is tomorrow night. Support for the reverse boycott has spread among baseball fans around the country. The Oakland 68s, an independent fan group that includes A's fans in the right field bleachers, are hosting a reverse boycott tailgate with live music, food, and games ahead of Tuesday's first pitch. And giveaways. They're giving out shirts. It's the first fan-funded giveaway. Sounds so fun. Have an amazing time if you're going tomorrow. Says the group created a fundraiser to raise money. To print Kelly Green shirts with sell across the front, <laughs> which they will give away to fans for the free for free before the game. Uh, if you're wondering, the group has raised more than thirty grand. They plan to hand out at least seven thousand shirts before the game. Iconic, which means they got to be somewhat confident that there's going to be at least seven thousand people there. I mean, that's that's showing up and showing out, man. I, I don't, I don't. Honestly, I don't know how much impact or or effect this has on anything, Nick. But, again, it does show you the, the dedication of A's fans and that they are not the problem. Major League Baseball is the problem. Uh, John Fisher is the problem. We can even say the city of Oakland is part of the problem. But A's fans are 100% certainly not the problem in why the A's, it seems, are headed out of, out of, it, out of Oakland. It's similar to the crap that Kings fans had to hear for so many years. Like, Oh, Sacramento's a bad city. Sacramento stinks. A small market. The NBA can't survive in Sacramento. No, it was never about Sacramento. It was never about the city. It was never about the fans. It was about ownership not putting a winning product on the court. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what city you're talking about. If you're putting out a bad product, people ain't going. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go and watch a team when they're winning 15, 16, 18 games. It's not fun. An 82-game season. And go see your, your favorite team get shellacked by 25. Who's going to spend money to, to do that? Spend money for parking, spend money for tickets, spend money for food and drink? You're going to spend hundreds of dollars to watch a terrible product? No. 
And then what happens? Well, we saw what happens, right? We finally have a team in Sacramento that's winning games, 48 to be exact, finishes as the third seed in the conference, and all we see on Twitter and all we hear and, and, and watch on these shows is the national you know, pundits going, oh, oh, Kings fans were very loud. Sacramento has a great fan base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after years of kicking them around, saying that they didn't deserve a team and that the Kings should move to Seattle. It's lazy-ass analysis. It's wild. It's wild how fans show their passion when the team yeah. shows they give a damn. It's almost it's, it's crazy. It's, it's weird. A, it's almost like more people will show up when like there's, there's winning. There's a connection to that, to putting out a good product and uh, having customers. It's just infuriating. And you see some of this same lazy analysis going around with the A's. This ain't on the fans. I know Simone said have fun out there, and I hey have fun. I want you to have. I, I would be so sad though if I went to, if I'm an A's fan. It's who a went party to tomorrow. Scene. Just I'd be put on so the blinders. Sad. It's a party tomorrow for like, one day. Like only. a funeral, like a funeral type thing. Yeah, like a wake. Okay. I Where think you that's more. Celebrate? Yeah, okay. and you do it at a bar. Yeah, kind of more like that. Okay. You well, put it that way. People leave, teams leave, things change. Things do change. How you adjust? Thanks to uh, Simone and uh, Nate. Thought Nate was good today. I forgot his name there for a second. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm very forgettable. It's okay. Good job, Nate. Great I, job, I, Nate. I appreciated you today. Wow, thanks. Kyle's in tomorrow. <laughs> Gotta stop. I feel a stomach ache. He's not even here yet, and you're starting with the kid. I know. That's a new record. <laughs> Jesus. Thanks to the both of you behind the glass. Uh, thanks to you, Rami. Thank you. We're back tomorrow. He's uh, That's tomorrow, I try to say. Yes. He's Rami. I'm Cattles. It's Cattles. It's Rami. It's Sack Townsport. Keep your heart. Hey, keep your heart. Three stacks. Keep your heart. Man, these girls are smart. Three stacks. These girls are smart. Play your part. Play your part.